Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Kelly Campbell with Holy Loved Ministries, and we're passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We'd love to connect with you online or on social media. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. You can also visit our website to join one of our virtual Bible studies. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. With me today is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, a board-certified physician, researcher, speaker, and author. Dr. Sandra, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You have a new, you have a book. It's called Sacred Rest. Recovering Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. Great title. But one of the taglines that really caught my attention said, when did rest become the enemy? And I have to tell you that at least in my life, that is a very raw and very real question. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that struggles with rest. Like I wrestle guilt every time I rest. Because my, even though my body and my brain are screaming, just sit down and do nothing, I can't. I just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with guilt. And I don't think I'm the only one that's just, well, afraid to just rest. But I know throughout scriptures, we see the importance that Jesus put on rest. He rested all the time. So clearly rest is a spiritual practice. And another thing that you say in your book, that how we rest impacts every aspect of our life. So what do you think is behind this fear, this hesitation, this guilt? Yeah, I think our culture is a big part of it. Our culture is set up in such a way that most of us, we have lost respect for rest. We have more respect in the work and we feel that it's more important. So we put all the value in doing more work, even at the expense of honoring God's call, uh, commandment even to rest. And I think that's a big part of it. It's countercultural to say that I'm going to take time away and not put all my focus on the productivity, but actually put some time on restoration, that part of me that needs to be poured back into seeing value in that. And that's really where the title of the book comes from. I think we need to restore the sacredness to rest when something's sacred, 
we give it a position in our lives and we allow it to be a part of our life, not just something that we do when we find time for it. And that's what we do with rest. We say, well, I'll rest when I have time or I'll rest when the work is done. Well, the work's never done and time will keep evaporating unless you start prioritizing it and becoming intentional. Absolutely. And I, I laugh sometimes because I think especially with everything that's happened over the last two years or since 2020, people will joke that time has lost all meaning, which it kind of really has. And I was kind of hoping that something that would come out of the pandemic was that turning away from that culture of hustle, the hustle culture of, you know, work, work 27 million hours a week. And there is a sacredness that needs to come back to rest. So these are great points. But you have an argument that there's not just a rest, there's seven different types of rest. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So um, over 10 years ago, I personally burned down, got to a place where I needed to determine how do I stay in a high stress career and not lose myself in the process. And so during that time, I did a lot of research and, and a lot of scripture diving to try to determine, for how, first of all, how what is God's idea of rest? How did Jesus do it? What's shown in the Bible? And then looking at the science as well to see you know, what's what's out there in literature that's discussing how we restore, how we overcome burnout and and get back to places of well-being. And when I looked at that, what I noticed was a lot of people were putting a lot of emphasis on sleep. So that was the big thing. You're tired. You just need more sleep. But for myself, I focus on that for a season. And then what I noticed was even if I got eight hours of sleep, I would still sometimes wake up completely exhausted. And so I continued on that point for a while thinking maybe I'm just so far behind, you know, it's going to take a while to get caught up, you know, but after a couple of months of that, I'm like, there's something else going on. I am tired all the time and I'm getting excellent sleep. I mean, documented sleep that's, that's high quality. And I think that's when I really started evaluating the literature in a different look. It was more so than just, am I tired? It's what kind of tired am I? What is it that's actually been depleted? What is it that needs to be restored? And that was the first mindset shift that rest was not just about, you know, stopping, which is what sleeping is. It wasn't just about taking a vacation or sabbatical or, you know, even a Sabbath and, you know, day on the weekend, that there was a restorative process to it, that there was a filling back up of the energy I depleted. And so that's where the seven types of rest came from looking at the ways that we can become depleted and then looking at some of the restorative activities that we can do to pour back into our places of depletion. And so those seven areas included the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. Fascinating. I mean, you never really think of rest in that way. I mean, I think so often we connect it with fatigue. You know, I'm tired, you know, I just need sleep. I'm tired. And but you're absolutely right. You have a great website. And on that website, you have something called a rest quiz. And it allows somebody to take that and then kind of figure out what is their primary type of rest that they're missing. So I took it and I, I kind of wasn't surprised at first. My weakest area was emotional, which you define as the freedom to authentically express feelings and eliminate people pleasing behavior. I think it's the control freak in me in a lot of ways. But I was surprised about a second week area that I had, and that was sensory. And you wrote that that's the opportunity to downgrade the endless onslaught of sensory input received from electronics, fragrances, and background noise. 
And it kind of hit me that when I rest, and I say that in quotations, I'm usually on my phone or I have the TV on. And then I don't always feel well-rested. Sometimes I'm actually more stressed and more anxiety-ridden when I get off my phone or I stop watching TV. So why is it important to know what areas we struggle with the most when it comes to rest? I think you you described it perfectly. You know, you can get rest in one area, but if it's not the area of your deficit, that area is going to still be deficient. And so you come out of your time of rest still tired because you rested, but you didn't get the actual type of rest that you needed. And, you know, I feel that that's what many people do. You know, the weekend hits, they lay on the couch, they they flip through, you know, Netflix or Hulu or whatever the streaming app is that their their favorite one is. They, you know, they sit there and they go through a couple of shows and then Monday comes and they're like, I don't feel any better. I don't feel any more rested. So they stopped and did something different than their normal work. But did they do a restorative activity that actually pours back into the place that was deficient? Because failure to do that, you will still end up with the same rest deficit. And that's what you were mentioning with restquiz.com. It really helps people just to identify their personal rest deficits so that rather than getting any type of rest, just whatever kind of pops to your mind for that day, that you're more intentional about getting the specific types of rest that you need so that you actually do feel the side effects of, of that those periods of rest. It, it's The whole thing is just fascinating to me. It just really is because... It's just something I'd never thought of before. You know, and you said, mentioned something about streaming. I think I have 12 different, I, I cut cable, I'm real proud of myself. But then I signed up for like 12 different streaming apps. And sometimes it's anxiety writing just to try to pick something to watch. And, but it's so ingrained in me that that's how I rest, you know, just flip on the TV, just scroll the phone. How do I change that? What are some practical ways to rest in various areas? Yes. So in your case, you mentioned that sensory rest was one of the areas where you are deficient in. That would be looking at what are some time blocks. So if you enjoy those things, you know, if you enjoy looking at streaming or social media or something like that, doesn't mean you never can do it again. But what about time blocking it? So there's periods of time during your day when you're purposely not doing anything that's electronically involved so that you allow your senses to have a downgrade. Some people do that um, when they're driving. They turn off, you know, all the electronics. They drive home from their commute from work in silence. Other people might spend 15 minutes at their desk if it's noisy in their environment with noise cancellation earphones on. Just enough time just to kind of get complete sensory deprivation. You know, you put the earphones on, you close your eyes, you you don't nap. You just kind of allow yourself to have a moment where you are not engaging your senses. And so there's a lot of different ways to kind of incorporate some of those things. Other ways that you can add in that, especially if you do spend a lot of time on your phone, is to downgrade the number of notifications on your phone. You know, you can still check social media or whatever else when you decide to, but should it have the ability to push you stress at its desire? So taking the notifications off of your phone can be a simple way of of downgrading a lot of sensory input just because you won't be getting that continuous pushing of stress that comes from those notifications. I'm almost having to laugh because as soon as you're saying that, I feel like, I feel like I'm like, okay, 
That sounds great. And I don't have the notifications on my phone, but then I get the, oh my gosh, what if I miss something? And I want to grab my phone and check social media. I want to check my email because I don't have the notifications on. So therefore I may be missing something, which again, it's that culture. It's just round and round circle. And I know we're all familiar with the term FOMO, F-O-M-O, which is the fear of missing out. And I think that's exactly what we were just talking about. I might be missing something important that's really not important. I think we've all, most of us have lived in time before cell phones, before we were able to be reached at any moment's notice. But yesterday I heard a new phrase that I think is amazing. And I'm curious to get your opinion on it. It's JOMO, J-O-M-O, which is the joy of missing out. How does that relate to the whole, you know, rest area of just being okay with missing out and actually finding joy in missing out? Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe. Yeah, I mean, exactly with what you're describing with the with the notifications or what if a notification comes through and you don't see it the moment it comes through. You know, the, the beauty of that is that the notification is not like you don't ever see it again. You know, it's still right there on your phone. You know, if you if, if there's something that you need to know, it's still right there. It's just do you have to know it instantaneous? Because that extra push of stress that comes with that, you know, I think that the joy of missing out concept is really helpful because it really helps you to see that there is a benefit in making wise decisions about how you spend your time. So there are things that you want to be involved in and, you know, and it's important to block off time and, and prioritize and to make room and set boundaries to allow yourself to do the things that are most important to you. But there should also be a joy in saying that this is my priority and I choose to not do X, Y, Z, or I choose to not engage in X, Y, Z. And so I think there's a a benefit in that because it really does force you to first prioritize and then to set some healthy personal boundaries around your time and your energy. You mentioned early on that when you started researching this, that you had looked first, not just at the science research, but at the spiritual research. What did you find as far as this is a spiritual practice? Yeah. So with the spiritual aspect of it, the first thing that I started looking at was really just from Genesis where the rest is first even initiated. You know, and when you you look at when it was initiated on that seventh day, I think we all know the story. When you go back on that, though, you know, man was created on the sixth day and then it says on the seventh day, God rested. Well, animals were created first and it says man was created. Then it says on the seventh day, God rested. You know, if you think about that, man was created basically the mid part of the sixth day. So the first full day of man on the earth is actually that day of rest. And then if you go further and look at the the scripture, it doesn't actually talk about man doing work until the entire next chapter. And I think for many of us, we do it completely backwards to that. We think 
when I work, if I work enough and I do enough work, then I've earned my opportunity to rest. Whereas the scriptural precept of that is that man was created. When man was created, we hear about you know, have dominion, multiply, basically being told what your role is, your job, the things you were supposed to be doing on the earth. But before that work was ever actually to be done, we were to begin in a place of rest where we are actually being equipped for the work we're being sent out to do. The work is not supposed to be all in our own strength and in our own power. And so I think that was a big one for me because I always feel like I had to earn my rest. And what I saw was that rest was actually where I was supposed to be working from. That work was supposed to evolve out of my time of being well rested, because then you produce work that is actually out of higher quality. And then you're actually able to understand the value of rest because you've positioned it in the right place. There's that old saying that you can't pour from an empty vessel. And I think that that's what we keep trying to do is like you said, do it on our own strength, which never works. It never fills all the way up. And then we pour it all out. We're drained and we can't go any further. The other pushback a lot of times I get with rest is, well, Sundays are one of our busiest days. We have church. We have family. I can't rest on Sundays. And so I personally don't believe that Sabbath means Sunday, or if you're Jewish, it means Saturday. I think Sabbath is a day of rest. Do you agree? I believe Sabbath is about the concept of understanding how to do rest. You know, when you look at Jewish families, they're not laying in bed on Sabbath. You know, they're not actively doing aggressive work, but they're not laying in bed either. What you see them doing is they're spending time with their families. They're getting social and emotional rest. They're having conversations. They're blessing each other. They're spending time in God's word. They're getting spiritual rest. They're spending time out in nature. So they're getting that creative rest. They're taking leisure walks, not fast paced, not trying to burn calories just to keep their bodies fluid. They're getting physical, that active component of physical rest. And so when we think about Sabbath, Sabbath as in the way that the Jewish culture actually does it is a restorative rest type process. And so when I think about people taking a day of Sabbath, you know, whether that day is Wednesday or Friday or Sunday, because the reality is if you're a pastor, you're never going to take a Sabbath on a Sunday. That's just not realistic. And so I don't believe we are bound by laws like that. We are in a loving covenant with a God who wants to care for us. And that loving covenant gives us the opportunities for choices. The choice is you need Sabbath, you need rest. Where are you going to allow it to take a place in your life? And so I think each of us have to look at our schedules, look at our lives and carve out space for rest, whether that's an entire day, whether that's, you know, if you've never taken an entire day off, that's going to feel a little bit strange. Maybe start with three hours, a half a day, two hours, pick a time period where you can start at least beginning to, to practice this Sabbath keeping mindset and then expand on it as God continues to grow that fruit inside of you. That's Beautiful. And as I'm thinking about my biggest area of weakness, which is emotional. And when you said, you know, they, they have conversation, they bless each other. And sometimes I can be hard for someone like me, who's an introvert to seek people out, but that would be rest for me if I can refill that emotional tank. So what are some other practical ways in some of the different areas? We talked about physical, we've talked about creative or sensory and now emotional. What's another different area of rest, I would say? 
Yeah. So mental rest is a huge one for a lot of people, primarily because most of us spend a lot of times processing information and overthinking things. So that's one that I think a lot of people would probably benefit from evaluating their mental rest deficits, especially if you're someone who, you know, you're exhausted, but you lay in bed and you're thinking all the thoughts, you can't get your headspace to quiet down, you're rehashing conversations or playing out your to-do list or your schedule in your head for the next day. A simple one that helps a lot of people is brain dumping. It's just having a notepad or journal or something at the bedside scrap paper, whatever, something to jot down, whatever that ruminating thought is, because the process of actually writing it on something concrete, like a piece of paper, gives the brain permission to release it because it no longer feels ownership of that information as if it has to hold it itself. Other things could include evaluating where you might be multitasking unnecessarily or where you may have excessive decision fatigue. You know, if you're someone who, let's say you you find with your family that everybody says, oh, what are we having for dinner? And you go through a list of 15 options of all the restaurants in your, you know, your area. That's exhausting and that's unnecessary. You know, maybe have your top three that you and your family, whenever you're going to eat out, those are the top three. Now you may venture from that every now and then, but to simplify it, if it's Monday through Friday, it's coming from this top three. So, so we're not wasting time and brain energy, you know, rehashing every restaurant that's in 50 miles of us. And so simple things like that, you know, evaluating sometimes even how many screens do you keep open on your computer at a time? And is it necessary to have that much visual clutter, especially if you're not actively engaged in whatever that particular window has open? So multiple ways of just trying to decrease some of the the mental processing that we do so that you can then allow your brain to get to that quiet place. I love that. I read one time kind of a joke that I had too many tabs open in my brain. You know, when you say tab, you know, I, I often think mm-hmm. about that. I'm like, how much am I thinking about trying to think about all at once? I would ask this, what would you say to the person who's listening and says, that sounds great. I'd love to do it. But X person, this person, my boss, my spouse, my child, you know, guilts me out, makes me feel bad when I try to rest. How do they put up those healthy boundaries? Yeah, well, first of all, that goes back to people pleasing. So because basically you're trying to please someone who is not does not have your best interests at heart. So if someone is saying that, no, you should work till you're exhausted, that person does not have your best interests at heart. And so if it's a family member, sometimes you need to be confrontational. Boundaries by nature are confrontational. You know, you can't have a boundary like a fence without there being a confrontation when you come up against it. And so I think we need to have ways that we can voice our needs that, although confrontational, help people to understand that it's for their benefit as well. So sometimes if a family member says, well, I don't understand why you have to have a Sabbath every, you know, Wednesday or Sunday or whatever day you decide to do it, your reply may be something as simple as in order for me to be the best version of myself. I need to allow time for rest in my life in order for me to serve you best. I, in order to be the best employee I can be in order to be the best wife, mom, daughter, sister, whatever you need to fill in the blanks. We have to be able to verbalize what it is that we're needing because failure to do so allows people to keep stepping all over us. And that's, there's nothing spiritual about that. There's nothing holy about that. That just keeps you from being able to do all God's called you to do because it keeps you in a depleted, depressed, drained state. And that's definitely a a bondage we want to walk out of. And so we can walk in that freedom. 
of rest and healthy boundaries. So last question, if you could, knowing what you know now, if you could go back to the woman that you were sleeping well, but always tired and give her a piece of advice, what would you say? I would tell her, first of all, I would tell her, I would ask her a question. What kind of tired are you? To help her refocus her attention, not just on the fatigue, but on the details of where the fatigue is coming from. And the second thing I tell her is to not try to eat the whole elephant at one time, because even if, you know, the quiz was available at that time and I figured out I had two or three different rest deficits, trying to fix all of those at one time would have been exhausting. Pick the one area where you are most depleted or that you feel is most affecting your life at this time. Start working on restorative activities related to that specific rest deficit. And then as you start feeling better, then you have the energy to start improving on these other areas. That's really good advice because I know when I saw my quiz results, I was like, oh, I got to fix this. I got to fix that. I got to fix this. But it's good advice to step back and let's focus on one. I'm still trying to focus on not being on my phone all the time, not having the TV on all the time. And it's just learning to love silence, which is another thing I think culturally we don't do well. And especially Mm -hmm. in the Western culture, you know, we can't just sit in silence. We have to constantly feel that those quiet times with some sort of conversation or it feels awkward, but there's such a beauty in silence. There's such a calming presence in silence. Absolutely. So is there anything else you would add? Uh, No, um, just as you mentioned, I would, I would love for people to consider taking the quiz is at restquiz.com. If they love to learn more about me, my main website is I choose my best life.com based off of Deuteronomy because I really believe Our choices are what ends up with the life that we live. And the name of the book where all of this is listed at is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. I love the fact that you've written a book about Deuteronomy because I think so often we run from the Old Testament, especially the the book of laws and the lamentations. But there's such sweetness in Deuteronomy. There's so many things that are so applicable to us today. So that's great. You have several other books as well. So I'm, I'm... Highly recommend everyone, please visit IChooseMyBestLife.com. Dot com. Yeah. Dot com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to put a link to your website and to the rest quiz in the show notes. So again, guys, go out, read this book, Dr. Sandra's book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy and Restore Your Sanity. And thank you for listening. I hope our conversation has deepened your understanding of God and helps you rest more fully in His grace. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. And please make sure to share it on your social media. We'd also be super encouraged if you'd rate us as well. That helps others to find it. Until then, may you live with the courage of one who has truly been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, I'm Carol McCracken, and I'd like to invite you to join me and our team on the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. This podcast examines one verse each day to learn more about God and His will for us. I'm excited to tell you about the new series the host team will share with you during this season of Lent. 
Each episode will be a journey to the cross. We will follow Jesus through some of his most significant steps in the Gospels, focusing on a particular verse as we always do. It'll be a progressive series. Join us daily as we follow Jesus doing what he was born to do to save us all. You can find us on Life Audio or whatever you listen to podcast content on.